HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode has been brought to you by Sake Man, a group of sake superheroes bringing sake to the world. This week, Team HRN is at Charleston Wine and Food for the fifth year in a row. So, on this week's Meet and 3, we bring you some of our favorite sound bites from last year. The hospitality here yes. and the camaraderie is really wonderful. Yes. That's what's struck Everybody me. smiles. So, imagine if you mix dirt with sand. Yes. You've got our earth. Yes. That sounds like that would be really poor. Really poor, right? <laughs> you know, we can talk all we want about a good story, but a good story is useless if the wine isn't great. It's highly Instagrammable. It looks so gory. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's food news and storytelling roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one of your hosts, Dara Bresnitz. Happy International Women's Day. I hope you all take a moment today to celebrate the incredible women in your life. Take a moment to tell them how much you love them and how much they mean to you. So, happy National Women's Day from Snacky Tunes to all the women that we love and inspire us. You are amazing. We sit down with Jennifer and Tio of Sonora Town today. It has been a long time in the making. We have been longtime fans of what they're doing. We hear all about their growth, their expansion, their start, life after the Taco Chronicles, what it means to run one of the most anticipated lines in L.A., and what the future looks like for one of our favorite taquerias in downtown L.A. Well, not just there, pretty much sort of anywhere in the world. Then we go to the archives into 2013 for a live in-studio performance with Dreamwave singer-songwriter Anna Nordine. She's making music these days and is performs as one of the duos of Brooklyn's Fever High. It's a great performance. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Derek Bresnitz. I am very excited to be sitting down with Jen and Tio, co-owners of Sonora Town in DTLA. We are also in DTLA, but the restaurant <laughs> is also in DTLA. Yep. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us, Dan. We've been trying to do this for a while now. I know, I know, but you guys have one of the most popular restaurants in Los Angeles, so it's... Oh. It's, you know, I'm understanding. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, I know, we, we have been pretty busy for the last three and a half years straight. <laughs> yeah, so for those who are unfamiliar uh, with your story, you know what, before we get to the restaurant, how did you two meet? Uh, we worked, well... She was working at a restaurant in Redondo Beach mm-hmm. called Blue Water Girl. She was Fish House. 21. Oh, yeah. Blue Water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I came in to interview for a food runner position, and Jen was up at the front desk. She, I thought she was the manager, but she's. Yeah, but imposing presence, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we worked together there, and that was. What, 13 years ago? And every job that one of us would get after that, if it was a good one, we'd pull the other one and be like, hey, come work at this so restaurant with me. So we worked at one, two, three, four, five, six now restaurants mm-hmm. together. Yeah, just always like moving along and bringing each other. Trading up. Yeah. <laughs> and what were you learning during that time as you went from restaurant to better restaurant? Like, What were you starting to understand about the industry and the business? Yeah, the first one, we didn't really know anything. I mean, it was a good restaurant, but and then, then we just, um, we ended up finally at Baco, and that's when we really, like, got into, like, the food world, really. And, I mean, we probably learned something different from each restaurant, because each yeah. one was so different than the last one. And so we worked at, like, a beer bar with 50 taps, so we got a some more knowledge, knowledge of craft beer, yeah. and but more so than that even, because we worked at, like, all different kinds of spots was that even the places that have like the most money and back financial backing behind them and like the We're best people, <laughs> not that they're a mess, but things can go wrong spectacularly and yeah. greatly. And so you can't sweat each day to day. You have to look at the whole like holistic picture, which made it a little easier for us when we started our own shop and things were kind of chaotic and crazy is just sort of grounding yourself with thinking like I mean even Nancy Silverton has a bad day right <laughs> I never worked for her though I can't speak for her restaurant it's probably perfect yeah I mean that's the thing you learn about a restaurant is you see the good the bad the ugly the success because yeah. a lot of times people don't really post about the bad days oh yeah especially in this culture oh yeah we have a, a sort of Instagrammy culture where you're only really allowed to show the best side of yourself and that can be kind of detrimental. That can get people down, I think, because not like no one's living that life. I don't know anyone personally who's living that life. Maybe I'll meet them one day, but... Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'd like to talk a little bit about when the ideas started formulating for your own place. Um, because it's one thing to work in a restaurant, one thing to be part of that culture, and then another thing to go all in, really all in. When did things start shifting for you for your own place? We'd always sort of talk about it uh, from a long time before, and I had taken Jen to my hometown to eat some of the tacos that I loved. And Which is where? In San Luis, Rio Colorado. It's in Sonora, Mexico, right on the border, um, right underneath Arizona. And so we went there, and she tried them, and I would always complain to her that there was never anything like that here in LA, like no other tacos that I even remotely liked as much as the ones there. And uh, the idea just kind of like evolved from there, I guess. And I mean, Tio's two years younger than me. So when he took me to his hometown to eat tacos, he he told me he was going to have his own shop one day serving tacos in this style. And I sort of rolled my eyes being like, "Uh okay, little kid. That's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. uh Uh-huh. You're going to have your own restaurant one day. Sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, when I was working at Baco, Tio got a job working in civil engineering and I was about to graduate. I was also going to school. I was about to graduate with my literature degree to be an English teacher. And I sort of had a freak out moment, which is pretty <laughs> <laughs> pretty par for the course with me. Getting close to finishing something, I freaked sure. out. And he was like, well, you don't have to do this, you know, even though you've been, you know, we can open the restaurant like we always thought we would, the little taco shop. And I was sort of so suggestible at the moment that I lost my, I had a moment of temporary insanity and was like, sure, let's try it. <laughs> let's try it. <laughs> so for people who don't really know or understand the taco uh, 
culinary origins of LA, what is the majority or the types of tacos that are served um, when you come to town and you're just like, I'll get a street taco or I'll just go to your average place? Yeah, the average place is like store-bought corn tortillas um, and usually like the cheapest like cuts of beef that are like heavily seasoned and sort of like grilled on a griddle with like oil and you just put a lot of salsa on it a lot of salt and you know call it a day um i don't know where the style comes from i mean i think it's more like southern mexico because most um a lot of the population from mexico i think came from southern mexico you know and not as much from like northern mexico and the corn tortilla is always like um sort of thought of as the traditional like way to make mexican tacos uh, I think it's helpful to think about the fact that a lot of the Mexican restaurants or taco places that you go to uh, have a really wide swath of different kinds of foods that they're trying to appeal to the customer, sure. which is great and awesome. But I think that what we wanted to do was get a little bit more granular and represent something very specific. And I don't think it's a mistake or I don't think it's a, mm, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not nothing or whatever, but uh, it's not nothing that we specialize in something and the best places in in Los Angeles are specialists in a specific region or style instead of just trying to sort of throw everything at the board and see what sticks. Um, and that's what I would say is more common here is sort of a place that you can get like a fried fish taco, but also al pastor, but also carne asada, but also chicken. And when you try to do too many things, I mean, that can be a winning combination. You can definitely make a lot of money off of it. Um, but what we wanted to do was something that was sort of counter to that. A lot of the things that I find a parallel with Sonora Town is if you're in Japan or you go to a place that's very dedicated to six, seven, eight menus, mm-hmm. items, and that's all they do. Mm-hmm. And it's very regional and it's very specific. And yeah. you just every day keep refining to make it the best version right. of that possible. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, our taco now is so much better than when we first opened, and I hope that it, I'll be able to say that maybe three, four, or five years down the line. Um, we are just like honing and honing and honing and practicing our craft, doing the same thing every day, which is really what you find when we go to visit Tio's hometown, that you don't go to one place to eat uh, chilaquiles and the same place to eat mm-hmm. carnitana tacos. Each place has their own specialty and they're known for it and you just get that one thing. You don't get like spaghetti at the, <laughs> <laughs> right, at the place that serves like really good flautas, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, in opening, in knowing that LA street food culture is really big, especially also, you know, from where you come to your hometown, like that is... You can have a street cart, you can have a place that's out in the open and be respected and have long lines. Why was it really important for you to open up a brick and mortar place instead of, let's say, a food truck or a stall or something that was a little bit uh, easier to get off the ground? We were just, from working in the restaurant industry for a long time, we were just kind of used to that idea that that was our experience. You know, we had no experience with like a food truck or like a stand. Um, I think that's also why we don't really do a lot of catering. We get asked to do offsite ooh, events quite a bit, but yeah. we don't really have that sort of knowledge that or background. background. Yeah. We're not comfortable with it, so we tend to sort of shy away from it just because restaurants tend to be where we find ourselves most comfortable. Yeah, just having the place there, cleaning it up, like interacting with the customer, they you know coming to see us and. That's kind of what we were more used to, I guess. And we have, like, a pretty solid, solid, like, hospitality background. I think we like having people over at our house and things like that. So it's sort of the same thing, right? It's like inviting people into your private kitchen and being like, hey, welcome. That was a big part of it, too, that really got us excited was, like, designing the place <laughs> and, like, picking the furniture. It's, like. very, <laughs> it's, very, it's very, like, oh, I'm, I'm at someone's place. Cool, so. yeah, I hope yeah. so. <laughs> and you're very much in the kitchen. With yeah. it, like, there's, no, there's nowhere to hide. It's not like no. it's anything's coming out from the back. You see it all happening yeah so when you opened how much messaging did you have to do an explanation to it because um you know this is your mom made this food and people don't may not know about that wheat is a big export of sonora or mesquite what did you have to teach people about it to understand what they were eating and that it means delicious but there's such a gorgeous story behind it jen did a lot of that through like instagram (laughs) (laughs) 
I think like since it wasn't like from her hometown or she kind of was a little bit more nervous that like people wouldn't uh, accept it in a way whereas I just wanted the food to like sort of speak for itself but she she was really good with uh, on Instagram like that getting that message out that you know flour tortillas are also traditional to northern Mexico that um, we cook over mesquite which is the traditional way in Sonora to make carne asada. So I think you did a really great job with that. I mean, I came <laughs> off being a literature major and I love yes. service. And so <laughs> Tio is, you know, the brains behind the operation and he does all Just of the, the idea. <laughs> <laughs> he, he came up with all the, he has all the recipes and the idea and all that, but I'm more about the messaging and the love and the hospitality and all that. And so we work really great together because I think that we complete each other and and like where I'm I'm weak, he's a little more strong, and vice versa. Yeah, and during like around that time, there was also like it was starting to get out there, like in the media and stuff about like flour tortillas being special. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the one of the reasons we also like decided to jump on it, even though like gluten was like, <laughs> like don't eat it it's, yeah, it'll kill you gluten at no the, at the time <laughs> uh, there was an article in the LA Times from um, a writer Delina Delina Sasayama yeah, yeah she's now a, a good friend of ours but um, she had written an article about like flour tortillas because she's from Tucson and also like really close to the Sonoran border and so that kind of like also sort of gave us the idea that maybe it would be accepted, you know, that there was, like, a need or, like, a want for it out there. And, uh, yeah, we just kind of wanted to continue that, like, conversation that was sort of starting. When did you notice the change? Because it's one thing to open, it's one thing to have this idea, but when did you feel that it wasn't going to go away, at least not tomorrow or the next week or the month after that? Uh, I mean... So we went into it expecting nothing and expecting, honestly, that we were just going to do our best. And if it didn't work out, that we because we were both like hitting 30 right when we opened. And so I was like, that gives us like 10 years if this fails spectacularly <laughs> to sort of get things get back in order. Like, you know, I was like, I'll go back to waitressing. Like, I'll pick up another, you know, to a second job and we'll just pay off our debts and it'll be fine. So going into it, expecting nothing, I was like blown away by how great it was going from the start. Um, I was really nervous to make even just our Instagram account. And so Tio kept bugging me, like pushing me to do the logo and do the Instagram account. And I was kind of dragging my feet out of fear. And one night when we went out drinking across the street <laughs> at Spring Street Bar, uh, I decided I like took all the stuff that I had when I was a little bit uh, tipsy, uh, <laughs> saved on my phone. And I made an Instagram account being like, hi, welcome. We're Sonora Town. Put up a few posts and then fell asleep and woke up with a message in my Instagram inbox from Farley Elliott being like, I'm really interested in learning more about what you guys are doing. And <laughs> I was like, Farley. wow, I don't even know what we're doing. I just made an Instagram <laughs> account. You know, like, I don't want to come up with something. Yeah. Yeah. I so I wrote him this really long email, sort of like prom over promising, you know, like being like, we'll have this and that and this specialties of Sonora. Like our idea was still really half baked. And he was like, well, that sounds awesome. And I want to come visit when you guys open. And it's been a story like that. I have 20 other stories like that of just like, I can't believe how lucky we've been and how like well accepted by the community. And um, it, we've, we've been really lucky. I don't know. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick musical break. We'll come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the store, the success, and the future of tacos in downtown LA. You have a song in the archives here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
back to Snacky Tunes. I am with Jen and Tio, co-owners of Sonora Town. So I want to jump ahead a little bit and talk about the time right before Taco Chronicles came out and then right after. Because I would say that that was such a... While you may have a ton of defining moments, that was a very big moment. I think not just for you, but also for shining a spotlight on what is happening in LA as far as tacos and things like that. So... Can you talk to me a little bit about what was going on at Sonora Town right before that series debuted? Well, before that, I think we were still only open like five days a week. And I think maybe we had just started opening nights, but it was still kind of... Um, we weren't like completely open because we were sort of scared that we weren't going to have enough customers and you know like we always like incrementally like added more and more time as we realized that you know people were liking us before that we were just kind of like okay we'll open like a few hours here and then like there's like a cool clubhouse yeah, like come yeah. by we'll be here right, right. Some food. totally yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and just like a little neighborhood restaurant yeah. and still killing it like still doing so much better than we expected just unbelievable but definitely taco chronicles was transformative even just like the nature of the show i remember when they told me that it was going to be released in spanish i was like wow okay like that's going to be crazy like yeah. i wonder how that's going to pan out i wonder if people will take to it and the answer was definitely yes yeah. uh we got approached by a taco scout they told us that they were going to do an episode on sonora mexico and that they wanted to show sort of the difference or like how Sonora has, how that sort of culture has permeated LA and that they thought that we would be a good place to do that. Um, 
and we were like, uh, that'd be awesome. I'd love to, I'd love to be involved in that in any way, but I don't know. We were naive, I guess, in the sense that since we were like, oh, you know, it's going to be only released in Spanish, maybe it won't have as big of an impact as you might think it would being on Netflix, but it was a day day and night sort of thing. We were already pretty busy, but we doubled our business the next day after Taco Chronicles came out. We weren't ready for it. Yeah. Uh, we were getting slammed. There was like a slammed. line around the block. And I mean, how do you work with customers, right? Because obviously there's the customers who are coming before the series right. who have some pride and ownership oh my of, gosh, yes. of like, this is my spot. Our and friends, you know? Our friends and family. Yeah, our and neighbors. then afterwards, and I've heard that before with like the blessing and the curse mm-hmm. of just you get all these customers, but sometimes the original day ones feel a little alienated. How do you work with that? How do you balance that? <laughs> that's tough. I mean, that's Jen. <laughs> it, it, was, it was hard, and my, I mean, we had to, I feel like a rock in this whole business, like a craggy little rock, and I'm being polished into a stone, you know? Every sort of thing that gets thrown at us is just another way for me to learn to be a better restaurant operator, which is not something I ever thought I was going to do in life. And so I'm excited for the challenge. And this was definitely the biggest challenge that we faced uh, next to opening the restaurant itself. Um, well, we had to deal with things that we didn't even had thought of before. Like uh-huh. there was a line and then what well, we close at 10. Right. Like what do you do with the people that are still in line at 10. Right. <laughs> Do you like... Because you have a like, bunch of crabby uh, employees that have like, been there for eight hours right, already and they're like, home. I want to go home. I don't want to work overtime. Sure. You know? Yeah. But then you don't want to also uh, disrespect the people that have traveled from so far and like been waiting in line that want to eat your food. So what do you do? Who do you let down in that situation? I mean, the answer to me isn't obvious and it wasn't obvious at the moment. I mean, you just have, have to really, change things. We have really amazing employees too though that are from the neighborhood and they so a lot of our like regulars from before still come in and you know they're hopefully they still feel welcome because oh i'm sure they do yes yes. i mean they have to be a sense of pride to be part of something that's special yeah well they know that they're the reason that the thing is happening so you know like like it or not like it's their fault for loving us so hard (laughs) that we're doing so well and we know that and we take it seriously and it's not you know it's something really special to uh, to all of our employees and we've kept a lot of the same employees for a while so yeah people are happy to come in with a little taco cheers yeah. <laughs> yeah and i know that you also reached out to other restaurateurs oh. to help Johnny Ray Zone for sure who's probably got the most line management <laughs> experience yeah. right um, what did someone like him come in and help with? What was what has been the outpouring of people who have seen your success, but also understands that with that success comes struggles, and not just being negative and being like, "Oh, these guys are so popular, like boohoo." It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. I want to come and help them because they're dealing with something that really doesn't have a roadmap. Yeah, yeah. He came and he was so helpful, so nice. Um, he kind of worked with our our line, sort of to make things run smooth more smoothly um just like added people in the correct areas to sort of expedite the line so he really helped with the kitchen a lot um in terms of the line i think he just said don't worry about it like you have a line you have a line you know focus on like getting the food out quick and Mm. you know and which is what they do i mean when you get there at Helen Ray's, you get to the front and you basically get your food, you know? Yeah. He was so, saying people don't mind waiting in line. Yeah. What they mind is waiting after they after ordered. They and so uh, you have to sort of front load it. If the line gets long, that's not the biggest issue. What's the issue is being able to, like, expedite the food, get their food as, as quickly yeah. as possible once it's been ordered. Yeah. And that was really a beautiful point <laughs> was, of human nature. Yeah, yeah, it was good, too. I mean, uh, again, we, like, we didn't have experience with, like, lines and stuff like that because we always we were servers and, um, you know at like sit down restaurants and here that realization having the line and was really um it was helpful to know that like that when people got to the front and they get their food right away they also like can sit down right away and they can eat their food and so it kind of became like a assembly line of like order get your food sit eat it go and then make room for the next Mm. person so and people were happy because they got their food right away even though they waited like 30 minutes in line yeah i mean i think 
waiting after the fact is probably because once you get to the front, all the waiting sort of disappears. Yeah. You're like, I've made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, what is one or two of the most unexpected things that have come with this newfound popularity, um, both bad and good? What are you realizing now that you didn't know before everyone in LA and outside started showing up? <laughs> hmm. Well, the good obviously is that we're a lot busier. <laughs> uh, we were able to open when well, we're open seven days a week, and we open at nights, and so that in itself comes up comes with its own problems with the fact that we are still very much involved in it and if anything goes wrong like we have to go like just yesterday um the water heater for some reason like stopped working and they like told them like over the phone like what to try like the circuit the breakers and stuff like that and they couldn't figure it out so i had to just get up and go and fix it you know like small business yeah 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 so (laughs) i mean i never knew how intimately acquainted i'd get with a grease trap (laughs) sick (laughs) so even though like we're uh really successful and you know we're still we we have to go and deal with problems also. yeah we're like really intimately connected with the restaurant which i love but i think at three and a half year mark is where we're starting to look and be like hey it'd be nice to take a vacation <laughs> yeah. that would be like seven days long and sort of have put someone else in charge or have someone else be responsible so that's like our main goal right now to work toward is to try and find a way that we could go outside of los angeles for seven days and have it be okay and turn your phone off and then yeah. you're yeah. back in the store still open oh my yeah, god yeah. i mean that <laughs> would be, be brilliant we're gonna we're working on that that's what I'm sort of like focusing on at the moment, which is really great. I'm, to we, be able to focus on that or to be able to have that be a goal, like says something about where we're at right now. I'm really excited. Right. Because yeah. mentally you feel like I can trust our baby with someone else yeah. and then come back and be even more reinvigorated. Yeah. And if we ever wanted to open another one, we have to get to that yeah. point, you know, where. Do you want to open another one? We do, we do, yeah. <laughs> we are thinking about it. It's it's tough, you know. I, I mean, do offers come in? I mean, I'm sure if somebody looks at this who sees the food and how special it is and goes like, we can, and the size, because it's not a big place, but you're doing so much volume, mm-hmm. goes, we could do this almost anywhere because you don't need a huge place to open up a second, a third, yeah. fourth location. Yeah, but you know about our <laughs> well, flower, right? Like yeah. We <laughs> well, talk about that because, I mean, this to me has always been the most amazing part about it. And also goes back to the beginning about the scheduling, mm. which is that every other week you go to Sonora to get the flower. So we had to be closed on Sunday, Monday to give me time to drive to Sonora. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which to me it goes... Why can't you, if I don't know anything, why mm-hmm. can't you just get flowers sent to you? Like, no, any other place? my dad still asked me that, even though I've explained it to him. <laughs> <laughs> this specific flower that we love, uh, Bonfil, it's called, um, is only available in Sonora. They don't import it to the U.S., so we have to go get it. And, and it's a small co-op, too, yeah. so they're not interested in really making more money than they already do. I've even tried reaching out to their reps, and they're just like, cool, yeah, you like our flower? Yeah, they don't really hey, have There's it. a couple bags waiting for you in Sonora <laughs> yeah. whenever you want to show up. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when you think about expansion, you think about that supply chain, and what is, I mean, it's not sustainable yeah. for you for forever for sure. to go to get in the car. Oh, yeah, So no. what do you do to grow? Like, what does the future look like? Yeah, that's a big issue that we have to solve. I mean, our goal is to uh, get the company to start importing again. They used to import actually like 10 years back or something like that. Um, But with all the regulations that they have to go through, they kind of just stopped. Um, But hopefully we can convince them to start it again. Maybe we can help them out. You know, if we open another one, that would be a lot of flour that they're selling to us. So maybe we can work something with them. And I mean... Sometimes we can get a little narrowly focused on doing the same thing we're doing every day, but like looking big picture, maybe there's a suitable like other option that we haven't tried yet. A flower. Um, I mean, it's not like we haven't gotten uh, people coming to us being saying that they want to like help us open another one, but somehow we've made it this far on our own, and so we're stymied a little by like our own uh, tunnel vision. 
Um, but we also have complete ownership of our company, yeah. and I don't want to. I'm not. I'm, that's something I'm sort of loath to give up. Um, uh, so yeah, that's sort of where we're at. And we're not in a huge hurry, so we're yeah. taking it slow. You know, <laughs> so I mean, like you're just trying to get a yeah. week off. Yeah. No, I mean that's my main goal right now. <laughs> And, like, you heard it here first on Snacky Tunes. We're thinking about opening another one. But who knows when that'll happen because... Yeah, we're saving. It's, it's we're, us. <laughs> you know, trying to fix the, the, the roadblocks, like the flower. And, you know, so eventually we'll get there. We're not in a huge hurry. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, as you look towards the one location and downtown and everything that's grown, how do you feel about what you've been able to give back to the community and being a part of it? Because you really have established this centralized location and meetup spot that goes beyond just the food itself. Yeah, I mean, we didn't... Originally, we wanted to open in Chinatown because that's the original Sonora Town. Mm-hmm. Like, our name, we take our name from a historical part of downtown LA that used to be called Sonora Town in 1850. Okay. Yeah, but it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we couldn't find anything, any spots over there and then we finally came to this one and we didn't know that much about the neighborhood, but after being there, like, we were really embraced by, like, the all the workers in, like, the fashion district, and it did become sort of like a, like a meet-up spot for them, like, for lunch and... Well, um, we had been living in downtown for how many years before? Six? Mm, yeah. Uh, so and this is your home. This is yeah, your community. Yeah, and so it was kind of cool because we've seen downtown change a lot, even in that small swath of time that we've been here. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, chain stores opening and things like that, and you're like, ah, oh, well, that's not what I want in my neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need a gap. Um, mm-hmm. So what would Who's I want? Who's a gap? <laughs> There's a gap. There's a gap. Is really There's a gap on Broadway. <laughs> and we don't need it. Sorry, Dr. Gap. <laughs> but, I mean, so you sort of think, like, well, what would I want to see? And yeah. so hopefully people in the neighborhood uh, are also having that same idea and you see people opening up little spots and they come and they go and so it's really nice to be able to sort of say this is what I want the neighborhood to look like and then to try it you know and sometimes it'll be embraced sometimes not but we had seen uh, uh, we were sort of following a footprint that Joseph Centeno who we had worked for at Baco did the same thing he lived upstairs and he had Baco and he'd come down and he was there every second of the day transformed that whole corner oh my gosh it can't really be understated how much he has been done for downtown LA Mm -hmm. to make it a culinary destination spot for sure yeah so, uh, one last question. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get upset when the line isn't there? <laughs> no, actually. I mean, uh, I see it from both sides, right? Because I own the place, but I also am like a customer service, uh, I don't know, obsessive, a freak. Yeah. And so when there isn't a long line, that just means that we can chat with our customers a yeah. little more. And I love our customers. And our customers don't feel so pressured to like oh get up and go. Yes. Yeah. Like they can relax. So that's always really nice. I get really nervous when the line is really long, so I'm happy when it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah even though... No, it's nice yeah. to want to have that second drink and yeah. maybe go back yeah. and have, like, another chibi and be like, oh, like, yeah. I don't feel like I got my order and I got to leave because I want to respect. Yeah. Man, sometimes, like, members of my family will come in and I don't even really have time to sort of chat with them because I'm too busy, like, working the line or, you know? So, so it's, it's nice. So it's not personal. come in, it is not personal. Oh, I hope not, yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. You, you know we're big fans. Um, and if people want to uh, visit <laughs> you, you in real life or follow your taco adventures online, where can they go? Sonoratown LA on Instagram or sonoratown.com online. Um, or just come visit us. Come have some tacos. You'll be able to to smell the mesquite. <laughs> you can find us. 208 East 8th Street. Yeah, there we go. LA. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We it's have another pleasure. song from the archives and then a live band from Heritage Radio Network. This is Snacky Tunes. Thanks for listening.
This episode is brought to you by Sake Man. What is Sake Man? Sake Man are judo athletes wearing Lucha Libre inspired masks that act as sake heroes. This team of athletes moonlight as sake educational professionals spreading sake to the world. Learn more about their mission and their favorite sakes at saketotheworld.com. That's saketotheworld.com. Fade out. Fade out. A little bit of a uh, summer heat from Justin Strauss. He's so awesome. He's so awesome. Nicest dude ever. What was that? Oh, that's a guitar. That's the amp. <laughs> uh, well, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Do you uh, two want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Anna Nordine. Not a weird last name. It's not weird at all. It's perfectly normal. Just, yeah. Who's saying it's weird? She did. A little bit of salad. Are you guys... No, we're just kidding. You guys going to pick on me all night. No, we're not going to pick on you. I'm just saying that you're... you're I'm going to leave. <laughs> no, please don't leave. Uh, and who is with you today? This is the wonderful John Wiley playing guitar with me today. Um, he's from Space Camp and See Through and Reputant. Plays with Adam Green sometimes. He's got his own stuff, John Wiley. He's awesome. And he's rocking a good hat today as well. It's just yeah. no problem in a nice font and gold. Yeah, it's a skater, the band The Skaters hat. And uh, you brought two friends. Skaters, sorry. Because it's springtime and people just start showing up in New York in the springtime. That's like, true. Yeah. We got James Paulus from See Through and my friend Victoria Canty from Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. And, well, she lives in San Francisco now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We can't, well, we were just talking about growing up in Myrtle Beach. So, I mean, did you start playing songs in Myrtle Beach or did you wait to New York to start playing? I actually did. I mean, I would, my friends were all musicians um, generally and I would do, uh, I would sing on some of their tracks and stuff like that, but I never, uh, I never really knew that I could write songs myself until like a little bit later, until I left. What uh? What let you realize that you could actually write songs? Well, funny story. I um. I just really wanted to like. I started um, teaching myself to play the guitar by like learning songs and stuff like that. And I, um, I kept asking a friend of mine. I was like, I was like, write a song so we can like have a band. Like you know, write write us some songs, write us some songs. And he like he never got around to it. And then finally, I was like fine i'll write a song and then i was like oh shit i can write songs and i just kind of like took off after that i just started writing like song after song after song did, so. did said friend come back to you yet and be like you'll start that band <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> name names call him out marijuana luck <laughs> marijuana luck he, you know he um is that his real name yeah <laughs> marijuana luck um he he, uh, what, I don't know what he's doing. He, he's in South Carolina still. And Technically, he's blowing it. We, we play, he's blowing it right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Marijuana, you fucked up. So, sorry. Can I yeah, you yeah. can. It's, it's internet radio. Okay. Um, two things. One, what was the first song you mastered when you were teaching yourself songs? Oh, God. Um, damn. Maybe something like, uh, You Ain't Going Nowhere by Bob Dylan. It's a good one. Uh, you're so bad, Tom Petty. I don't know. Those are all totally acceptable. I mastered like the beginning part of um, "Here Comes Your Man" by the Pixies. That's also those are three. I was pretty proud of that. Those are three <laughs> really solid like teach yourself. Um, and two, can we can we hear a song? Yeah, of course. What are you gonna play first? I'm gonna play my song called "Love." <laughs> okay. It's about. What's it about? Shopping. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you're listening uh, live on Snacky Tunes. Oh 
I don't think that song's about shopping. <laughs> I think that you were lying. <laughs> so when you started writing songs about for yourself, where did you pull inspiration from? Um, when when I started writing songs myself, well, it kind of happened around a period where I was just um, I I just kind of like retracted from the world because I <laughs> went through a couple of like, hard times and um, and. Uh, I think music was like kind of my escape from <laughs> from everything that was going on, and um, I obviously uh, write songs about you know love and <laughs> a heartache and and heart happiness. Heart happiness. Mm-hmm. Heart happiness. <laughs> Where, uh, if you were to write a song today, which what would you focus on? Heart happiness, heartache, lost love. I kind of like. Um, I kind of like songs now that that are um, kind of more conquering, conquering it, you know, and because that's kind of how conquering I feel. Conquering love. <laughs> I've mastered love. I've mastered love. Got it down, guys. For my first trick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like overcoming it and like coming out on the on the better side of it, you know, because like my first songs were all like really depressing, and then which are great too, but um. I don't know. Can you I still play them with the same uh, amount of emotion from when you first wrote them? Does it still all come back as you play those heartbreaking, wrenching, bottom of the well? Didn't well, think you'd go any lower. Well, I mean, shit got real for me uh, when I was writing the really depressing ones. So, yeah, some of them like tap in on that feeling, and it's like not really hard to. Um, You're one strum away from some heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But I, I also feel, feel think it's like it's a good thing to kind of tap into that every once in a while. And like I actually listen to uh, like very melancholy music, kind of sad music, sometimes before a show, just to just to get more emotional, you know, so I can get more in my songs and can't, you know. Let's hear another one. Okay. Let's, let's hear one before you conquered love. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah.
That was great. <laughs> Thanks. That, I mean, did you get any takers on the request? Uh, Greg. Uh, <laughs> Is that how you master love? Is that how I master yeah. love? Just walking around asking people to be my lover? Yeah. Just, one, just for one moment. Just a, night. Just a moment. Just, yeah. So, no, no commitment. Just, uh, that was just about a boy. Just a boy. Just a boy. So what uh what food goes into the songwriting process? Do you have a, a meal that stirs creativity? Do you eat do you like pasta? Do you like tacos? Like something lighter, lighter, heavier? Uh, well, I'm gluten free. Cool. <laughs> but um. So I'm so happy we brought you to the pizza place. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm really glad you brought me to this pizza place. I'm breaking out in rashes as we speak. Well, that's no. why we do radio. Huh? That's why we do radio. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really like the healthy food. I love like the kale salads and the sushi and shit like that. <laughs> feels like it gets the mind and the body going. Yeah. <laughs> gets the heart going. I love a good a good bowl of kale. Yeah. Uh, what t- how do you like your kale done? I'd make this kale salad where I I like I marinate a little bit of like I massage like apple cider vinegar and balsamic vinegar and and like a little agave and oil into the kale and then um and then I put a little um red onion in it and um oh a little lemon Okay. Mm. And um, some like gargonzola cheese if you want to. How how long do you massage your kale for? I mean, I feel like everyone has a different type of uh, preferred well, it massage just, It time. depends on how much it's paying. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Unfortunately, $30 for 30 minutes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the kale's got an unhappy ending. Uh, yeah. Um, so you have a new EP coming out. Uh-huh. I uh, do, yeah. Yeah, which is exciting. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. Is this celebrating love? Is this what are we talking here? What what stage of lover is this EP in? It's it's pretty massively full of love. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a song that's that's about uh, going for a ride, but that's you know it's all love based. That's kind of about like just saying a lot of it is like a lot of my songs are kind of being like they're all they're kind of like fuck it I'm gonna do this. 
Cool. Fuck it, like maybe like fall in love or. Or like you know like love. what the song I first sang was was about like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell this person that I love them like I'm sick of I'm sick of being like. You know, have you done that? Passive. I have. How'd it work out? Not so well. Oh. <laughs> I think that you need to do that every once in a while in your life and just be like, you know what? I don't know if I know the answer. I know there's no like yes, no, maybe box like in middle school. You just be like, these are the cards. If it works out, you win. If it doesn't work out, you'll crawl into a bottle of whiskey and come out in a year. Yeah. Like I kind of live with the philosophy of like doing things that scare you. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I play music because it frightens me. We had a, a great guest on here, uh, Polly G, who does Polly G Pizza. And he ex- he talked about the paper tissue wall of fear, which I always thought was like a really beautiful metaphor where it's like, you know, you'll do it and you'll get to the other side of it. And it's, it might hurt, but it's probably not as bad as whatever you personal hell you create for yourself by not doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. And afterwards, you, you know, it's like maybe you made a fool of yourself. Maybe you didn't. But like you lived your life. So. Yeah. And you also know for the next time yeah. what, what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I want to thank you for coming. I want to make sure we have time for one more song. So, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank for you all for, and for bringing the crew. Yeah. 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 Uh, you guys are great. Where can everyone find yourself? What's the nuts and bolts for the online? Where can they get oh, the um, EP? It's Anna Nordeen, N O R D E E N. And um, the EP is called You Know Where I Am. And you can find it on iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify. By the way, I just want to say that's a great name for a love EP. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, what is the last song you're going to play for us? You know where I am. <laughs> and it's, yeah, uh, metaphorically speaking. But where you are right now is Snacky Tunes Radio. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with another episode. Pure X will be in Studio Live, which is exciting. And uh, we have our big barbecue starting uh, May 14th with Garrett and Andrew from Brooklyn Brewery. Brooklyn Brewery will be there. Uh, Eventbrite will be there. Food Republic. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be awesome. May 14th at Hope. Uh, sorry, Good Co. And uh, BBQ Blowout May dot Eventbrite dot com. And look for Snacky Tunes uh, Twitter tomorrow for all the event uh, information where you can buy tickets and everything. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, take it away.
Powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.